Yeah. So, you know, there were a lot of firsts there. There were a lot of times I'd quit smoking and I'd quit drinking. I got serious about therapy. Like I did that stuff a million times. Right. The, 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 I would have to say this, the biggest change in that moment was I just, I was just tired of my own bullshit. That was the first thing I changed. I stopped alone. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. From homeless to hero, Michael Unbroken is the founder of Think Unbroken, best-selling author, award-winning speaker, podcast host, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. Since 2016, Michael has empowered over 100,000 trauma survivors to get out of the vortex, learn to love themselves, and become the hero of their own story. Michael has spoken in over 80 countries, won investments from undercover billionaire Grant Cardone, and is on a mission to end generational trauma in his lifetime. Welcome back to Diversity Dish. I'm so glad you decided to join us again. Today, my guest is Michael Unbroken. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? I am amazing. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited for everyone to hear your story and to get the value that you have come to bring forth. So let us jump in. Before we actually jump into all of the juiciness you're going to give us. I want to ask you, what are you passionate about right now, Michael? You know, I think it's the same thing I've been passionate out for many, many years now, and that's personal development. I'm just, I'm always just trying to see how far I can go, how hard I can push myself, how, how much grace I can have, how much courage I can have, how much patience I can have. Like just always, it's like this fascinating idea that I've, I've embedded and ingrained in myself to push myself beyond any limitation that I've ever had to see what I'm capable of doing. And in the hopes of that process by proxy impact other people to do the same. I love it for a time. I was doing personal development coaching. And so I can really relate with the information that you just, you just shared, but what people probably don't know is you've come from very dire circumstances. You've used that personal development to really grow. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the word that comes to mind is go crazy. It's craziness, right? <laughs> For context, because I think it is important. Why don't I, I paint a bit of, of a picture here? Yeah. So growing up, my, my mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. And when I was four years old, she actually cut off my right index finger. <gasps> and my stepfather was super abusive, like the kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather. And I spent a lot of my childhood uh, in poverty and even homeless. And we were so Mm. poor, the water company, they actually turned our water off. Now, I grew up in America, I grew up in Indianapolis, like, you know, this is not some third world country where this happens all the time, or an underprivileged country. And 
By the time that I was 10 years old, I had lived with like 30 different families. We were always getting evicted, always getting shuffled around. I was never with my brothers or my sister. It was really chaotic. By the time I was 12, I got high for the first time, drunk at 13, expelled from school at 15, selling drugs, breaking into houses, stealing cars, hurting people. I got put into a last chance program, still didn't graduate high school on time. And I was looking at my life and trying to figure out, okay, like, how do you solve this problem, this fucking poverty, this chaos, this abuse? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, it's money, right? It's got to be money. Now, how mm -hmm. could it not be money? Because that's the only thing I ever heard people talking about. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to go chase money, but I'm going to do it legally. And this was super important because my three childhood best friends have been murdered over drugs. My uncle's mm -hmm. in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs multiple times. And I just knew if I stayed on that path of what I was doing, uh, I wasn't going to end well. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, cool. I want to make $100,000 a year by the time I'm 21. Well, by the time I was 20, I landed a job with a Fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education. And it was amazing because I was making six figures. Life was grand. I was, you know, the best car, the best clothes, the best restaurants, the, the chaos of all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found myself at, at 25 years old, 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. Mm, wow. I was just like, I'm done with this. Like this money was supposed to solve all this problem, mm -hmm. right? It was supposed to fix everything and it didn't. It made mm -hmm. my life worse, exponentially worse. Mm -hmm. And what I understood in that is that adage, people always talking about like, you know, money makes your life worse. It brings out the worst in people. That certainly happened for me. That's because I hadn't done the work. Mm -hmm. I hadn't dealt with any of the abuse. I hadn't dealt with the homelessness and the abandonment and being an orphan and the deaths and all of those things. And so I had this moment, you think like this gun thing would be the rock bottom, but it wasn't. So the next day I'm laying in bed, keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm mm. smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake and watching the CrossFit games. Like if this isn't rock bottom, like, I don't know what is like, I, I, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, get your shit together. And for whatever reason, I walked into the, the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror. I didn't recognize the face. I didn't mm. understand who I was. And I went and I had this memory of being that eight-year-old little boy. And one of the many times that the, the water company or the electric company or the gas company turned off our utilities and I took this little blue bucket from the backyard and I walked across the street to the mm. neighbor's house and I turned on their spigot. And for the first time I stole. And I was mm. like, when I'm a grown up, like I'm not, this is not going to be my life. And from a money perspective, it wasn't, but all the other avenues it was, I was still that lost hurt little boy stuck in this traumatic experience, stuck in this place where I had no self-esteem, no belief. I, I used food and sex and drugs and money and cars and all those things to try to solve the wound of the pain of all of the chaos of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And as I looked in that mirror, I asked myself the most important question I've ever asked. I said, what am I willing to do to have the life that I want to have? And the words, no excuses, just results, just like started reverberating in my brain. 
Mm-hmm. And 11 years later, here I am talking to you. Now, mm-hmm. in that process, there's a lot of work, a lot of therapy, group therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, all of the acronyms, AA, NASA, mm-hmm. all the anonymous programs. I'm just trying everything, right? From Reiki to acupuncture to myofascial release to coaching to conferences to personal development books to self help to the whole nine. Mm. And then I started getting certifications and I started learning from experts in trauma. And I got like 35, I don't even, I'll be honest with you, I've lost count, well over 30 <laughs> certifications in trauma education, right? Mm-hmm. 10,000 hours times a million, right? Just trying to learn and understand this. And, you know, it's been this incredible journey where I didn't, I didn't plan on this. No part of my life was ever like, you know, be great. Let's be the spokesperson for children who get hurt. (laughs) Never part of my mission. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I believe that we have an oral, a moral obligation to serve when we learn something. And I'm not an anomaly. I'm not special. I don't know shit that anyone else does. Mm -hmm. It's just that I'm stubborn. And I refuse to accept the reality that was handed in front of me. And instead of playing the victim, which I'm a pro at, I decided to be the hero of my own story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do for other people. I just simply say, these are the tools. You can do this too. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is an incredible journey. I want to roll back just a little bit to when you're looking your, at yourself in that mirror that day and you're realizing that you were still that unfulfilled eight-year-old boy and you're thinking to yourself there has to be more what was the first step you took after that like what was the the tangible first thing you did once you realized there needed to be a change Hey, thanks for listening. My name is Cedrola Maruska, and I help entrepreneurs and small businesses go from mediocre to magnificent by transforming their cultures to be more equitable and inclusive. To find out how we can work together, go to diversitydish.com, where you'll find my consulting, coaching, and speaker information. Diversitydish.com. I look forward to working with you. Yeah. So, you know, there were a lot of firsts there. There were a lot of times I'd quit smoking and I'd quit drinking. I got serious about therapy. Like I did that stuff a million times. Right. The, 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 I would have to say this, the biggest change in that moment was I just, I was just tired of my own bullshit. That was the first thing I changed. I stopped allowing myself to make excuse. I stopped fucking negotiating with myself. Mm-hmm. I stopped negotiating with myself. And that's the thing that people don't understand. Like every time you negotiate with yourself, you are doing yourself a disservice. And I forced myself into suffering mm. because I needed to go through it. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean suffering like physical, but I mean like mental and emotional. Sure. There was physical suffering. Mm-hmm. I lost 125, 30 pounds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's physical suffering involved yeah. in that for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was, I had to uncover and unveil all of the pain that I hid from all of the hurt, all of the scars. Yeah. And I had to acknowledge I had to acknowledge that bad things happened to me. I mean, I literally walk around with this finger that's been cut off, burn marks on my arms, the scars in my soul. And I was like, fuck, man, you're going to keep hiding from this. Right. Look at what it's done to you. 
Right. That was the suffering I had to tap into. I had to go back into that darkness because the more I tried to solve those wounds with all the other things, mm-hmm. right, the worse my life got. Yeah. And so I got serious about talking about it, serious about therapy, serious about going in. I was literally going to this therapist, paying him hundreds of dollars an hour and telling him what I thought he wanted to hear. Like talk about the definition of insanity. Cause I was so terrified of shame, of guilt, of judgment, of being vulnerable with myself. And then I realized, and I understood the only way you get free is you have to talk about it. Right. And, and in that came this immense sense of freedom. Like I, yeah. I can't explain it to people because you have to experience it for yourself mm-hmm. and it takes time. Let's be mm-hmm. very clear. I've been doing this work for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I went to therapy for the first time at seven years old. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and so I learned how to manipulate therapists to tell them what they needed to hear to keep myself safe because you know that whole thing about therapists keeping it private that wasn't the truth when I was a child and so I would get in trouble mm. for telling the truth and so I learned how to stop doing that mm. and so in part of learning how to stop telling the truth I learned how to stop telling the truth to myself right and that's where I started negotiating with myself and look mm. and I'm not going to say like I don't do it sometimes I'm still always like trying to work through that but you know, early on, it was really interesting because I'd be like driving to the gym after work, smoking a cigarette. There's a McDonald's and a bar in the parking lot. And so I'd go to fucking McDonald's, go to the bar and I'd sit in my car and I'd smoke a cigarette. And I'd just be like, all right, just go in, just get on the treadmill for five minutes. And then I'd, I'd literally, I'd be there for half an hour sitting in my car negotiating with myself. Yeah. And then I'd say, do it tomorrow. You won't smoke tomorrow. You won't drink tomorrow. You won't eat fast food tomorrow. You won't cheat on your girlfriend tomorrow. You won't lie to your brothers tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Right. And then I was like, fuck this. Take your ass in the gym right now. You're not smoking today. You're not drinking today. You're not eating fast food today. You're going to hold yourself accountable today. You're going to do whatever it takes. This no excuses, just results mentality. That's what the change was in that moment when I looked at myself in the mirror. It's, it's so interesting that you said that you were running away from yourself. You know, in, in the work that I do, of course, people are always like, so how do you get someone to do? How do you get someone to do? And I say, I can't get anyone to do anything. The only thing I can do is give them the information and to allow them to process it themselves. So in your journey, what do you think, besides looking at yourself in the mirror and hating what you saw and and just thinking you were just so tired of yourself, what do you think was something that helped you to say, I'm not going to do that smoking anymore. I'm not going to eat the fast food. I am going to go get on that treadmill. I am, you know, uh, was it external or was it just all internal? We, we all know what we're supposed to be doing. Like I I firmly Mm -hmm. believe that like in my soul, Uh it's the thing that keeps us awake at night that we're Uh avoiding. That is the very thing that we have to do. Right. It's the thing that when you're quiet, 
and you're not distracted and you put your head on the pillow and you're like, I can't sleep. Yeah, no shit. Cause you're not dealing with your problem. <laughs> and that's, that's what it was. I just looked at my life and I said, what am I not dealing with? What am I not doing here? And I'm not saying it's easy because it's definitely not. And it wasn't a flip of a switch where it was right. a progression. Mm-hmm. It was, it took a long time to get really solidified in that. I went cold turkey on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of things were a progression. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, let, let me phrase it like this. I'm going to create some really strong context for people to make meaning of this. When we grow up in traumatic households, violence in schools, communities and neighborhoods and peers that don't support us, where people tell us you're not good enough, strong enough, capable enough, where, you know, you color the moon purple and the teacher says you're stupid, where Mm. your parents belittle you, where your friends pick on you because of the color of your hair or the shirt that you wear. And every single thing that you do in your life is under a microscope to the extent that there's shame and judgment cast upon you when you try to tap into the intuition of understanding who it is that you are. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens as an adult is you have no idea who the hell you are. Right. You have no idea how to tap into the intuition and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea how to not let other people influence you. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, and we all have measurements for this. No one's mm-hmm. innocent of this, unfortunately. We both bestowed it on people and we both have had it laid upon us. And so mm-hmm. In that, the thing that starts to happen as you start to step into your growth and creating who it is that you are, it's a trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Because every time you tried, think about this right now, you're having this thought about these moments in your youth that you were like, I want to do this thing. And you did it for eight seconds. And then the world rained at shame and guilt and hate upon you. And you <laughs> never did it again because you were embarrassed. Right. right you were hurt and you were thinking like, fuck, why should I be myself? Because when I am, it hurts. Mm -hmm. And then you become an adult and people are like, be yourself, be authentic. Well, how the hell do you be authentic if you've never had the experience of it? Right. It's such a ridiculous misnomer in the conversation that we're having right now about personal development. And so here's what happens. You want to be yourself. You have to try a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Some things are going to work and some things aren't. And Mm -hmm. some things you're going to feel indifferent about, but the reality is the only way that you craft the person that you believe you're capable of being is you must craft the person that you're capable of being. And that requires action and Mm -hmm. forethought and making meaning of circumstances and doing the work and maybe getting a coach or going to the conference and having connection with people who are one step ahead of where you want to be and saying, Hey, can you help me? Mm -hmm. Right. Because the truth is we're all going through this, especially Mm -hmm. in this society, especially if you live in America, which is probably the most backwards place on planet earth when it comes to this idea of be yourself, but definitely don't be yourself at the same time. Right. And, and so tapping into it and, and building and creating you is a, a system of trial and error by fire in which you start to learn how to trust your intuition mm-hmm. and to not listen to the people who object to the reality of you being who it is that you are. Right. And removing yourself from those people and Mm -hmm. building yourself despite that, because the truth is you're probably being held back right now because of your mother, because Mm -hmm. of your husband, because of your best friend, because they're terrified to be themselves. Mm -hmm. That was my experience too. 
Mm-hmm. I was terrified to be me because of all of the pain of what it was like to try to be me mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, all the ways that you can be a human being. I was terrified mm-hmm. because it was beaten out of me. It was coerced out of me. It was enmeshed out of me. It was groomed out of me. You learn how to be silent and quiet and hidden because that's safe. It becomes a defensive mechanism to turn yourself off. It's safety. Mm-hmm. And then here's something really important. And this is going to strike people the wrong way. And it's going to strike people the wrong way and or the right way. But it depends on where you're at in your journey. You're not a child anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not a child anymore. And so the shame and the guilt and the judgment that comes with that, what you have to understand is you have to do the work around that and get it to where it needs to be in your life. So you can move forward with freedom to Mm -hmm. create and express who you are, because the longer that you hold on to those invalid truths that were bestowed upon you, not created natively, the Mm -hmm. longer you hold on to that, the harder this journey gets. I stand and I walk firmly in who I am. Mm -hmm. People don't like me. Fine. What does that have to do with me? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What does that have to do with you? You're absolutely correct. And I, and I, I feel what you're saying very deeply. I understand it. There are so many times as I've gone through my personal development journey, and as I've learned to know who I am, that I've had to question the thoughts that have come to my head. And it is something also that I have to do in my work, right? Because as an um, equity, inclusion, social justice consultant, I have to question every thought that comes into my head as to why am I thinking this way about this person or this situation? And what how how has it been informed and so i have to do the same thing with myself i have to say am i doing this or not doing this because i don't want to do this or i want to do this or am i doing it because i feel like i should should is like one of my worst the worst words that you know like do i feel like i should do it because society expects it of me or am i doing it because i expected of myself so I am. And I think what you're saying is that when we are more intentional with our thoughts, when we're more intentional with the things, with the, the, the directions that we go and the things that we want to do, that's where we can, we can have a better understanding of who we are and what we, where we're actually going. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's as simple as intention because I think that you also within that scope of intention need to have clarity, right? Yes. Because, because I think a lot of times, and, and maybe this is just the way I define the words, intent is like, I'm going to do it, right? But clarity is the way that you're going to do it, right? Or, or it could be the reason that you're doing it, right? hundred percent. Right? Absolutely. So you're intentional because you have this, this, very clear vision of where you want to be or where you want to go. And so you're intentional about the things that you do and how you do them to get to that. Goal. Uh, abs- absolutely. And I think you, you, you struck on something that I think people will hear in passing and not hold on to that. I want to come back to mm-hmm. this idea about should that shit's the devil, <laughs> like for real, for real. <laughs> 
I'm going to say something and people are going to be like, this dude's a narcissistic egomaniac, but I'm going to promise you when you adapt this to your life, your life will be different. I only do what I want to do and I don't do what I don't want to do. Yes. I think that that is a way that we all should be. I agree. We all should do things that we want to do and not do the things that we don't want to do. Because when we find ourselves doing the things we don't want to do because someone else thinks we should do them, we become people that we don't recognize and that we don't like. Yeah. And I think it's more important for me to like me than it is for you to like me. (laughs) Right. Because you just said also you were like, if you don't like me, why is that my business? It's not my business is to like me myself. Right. Yeah. 100%. We we spend so much time. And look, part of it, again, comes back to it being a defensive mechanism. We spend so much time trying to appease other people because we want to be communal. We want to be seen, heard, felt, but it always feels inauthentic. It always feels like we're, we're covering a part of ourselves so that we fit into the mold. You know, when I was a little kid, I loved your favorite band. I loved your favorite food. I loved (laughs) your favorite TV show right? I had fear in expressing my wants, needs, and interests. It was crippling Mm. where people would be like, well, what do you want to eat for dinner? I'd be like, I didn't know I'm allowed to do that. Right. Right. One of these really fascinating things that happened to me while being homeless was living with all these different families. It was like over 30 different families. Mm. You would, I would see like these moments where children were allowed to have an opinion and Mm. it blew my mind Mm. like for real, because when I was in my home, that was danger. Mm. Like the, the number one way to get your ass kicked in my house was to talk, Mm. was to exist. And so, you know, I'd be at these people's house. They're like, what do you want to have for dinner? I'd be like, is this a trick question? (laughs) Like, are are you going to like beat the shit out of me when I answer this? And so, you know, that's the thing that I'm talking about with this intuition. It's been robbed of us for so long Mm -hmm. that we don't know how to trust it. And the only way you trust it is you have to build it. And the only way that you build it is by doing the things that you want to do and not doing the things you don't want to do. Like, I really want people to understand that this doesn't mean you don't have to do monotonous and tedious bullshit in it because you absolutely Absolutely do. do. Yeah, I promise you that. I promise (laughs) you that. But when I think about this, this overarching grandiose view of your life to get to this place where you want to have sustainability and being okay with the reflection on the other side of the mirror, you have to create life in the way that you want it to be, because that's the only way that you get to the point where the thoughts that keep you awake at night go away. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. If you're not living life on your terms, you have, you're not living And you Mm -hmm. have to understand part of that has been groomed and enmeshed in you. But the other part, think about, let me put it this way. Every day you get to walk into this room. It is your choice to walk into this room. No one else has any say in this. You choose, okay? But every single time that you walk in this room, you get punched in the face. How many days are you going to walk in that room before you stop? Mm-hmm. At some point, the choices that you're making are self-inflicted punishment. This applies to the choices you're not making as well. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult. 
it's hard because that means that you have to challenge the narrative of what you think you're capable of. And that means you got to get really clear about who you want to be. Mm -hmm. And that means that you have to do hard, difficult, incredibly uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you have to quit the job, leave the relationship, pack the bags, move across the country, live in different countries, speak on stages, write books, be on podcast, like whatever that is. Mm -hmm. You got to challenge yourself to find out the scope and the depth of what you're capable of doing, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to die on, be on my deathbed and die with regret wondering what if. Right. And that to me is the self-inflicted punishment. Yeah. You know, part of my story is too, that I, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2017 and went through active treatment through eight months, seven months in 2018. And in that time, of course, you diagnosed with cancer. The first thing you think is, oh my God, I'm going to die. But in that time, that the question, the, one of the two questions that I asked was, what have I done with this one and, you know, this precious life that I have? And am I happy with what I've done? And I wasn't, I wasn't where I needed to be. I wasn't, you know, doing what I wanted to do. And from that time, I put myself, put myself on the journey of learning about me and about learning where I want to be and being open to what I want versus what everybody else wants. And it's, it's been a whole different type of ball game. And I think that in what you're saying is, is that same thing. You've got to put yourself on the path that you think you want to be on and work on, on that. You talk about, when you talk about trauma, um, you talk about childhood trauma, but I think you know, uh, there's also a lot of talk about generational trauma that comes through because it does come through um, in the genes. And I think everyone is walking around with some sort of generational trauma that also needs to be unpacked. So then you take the generational trauma and then you take the trauma of the life that you're in at the moment. And all of those things have to be confronted right? All of those things have to be faced and all of those things have to be unpacked. And that's how you find who you are. That's how you, as you say, become the hero of your own story. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll share a little anecdotal story with you. I was in my therapist's office like six years ago and we we're having this conversation and what I really appreciated about my connection with him and still my connection with him is like, he lived it. Like his mm. childhood was like on par with mine. So I was like, cool, he gets it. So I don't have to try to, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Explain. When I was 14 years old, I put a restraining order on my mother and my stepfather at 14 years old. I did that. Mm. I could foresee the future. Right. At 18 years old after a drunken, violent encounter where my mom walked in my room and it was, it was chaos, right? This whole thing happens. I looked at her and I go, I'm never talking to you again. I'd given her every chance imaginable. Mm -hmm. I'd suffered in ways people should never suffer. And when I said that, I meant it. Mm -hmm. Until the day she died, I talked to her like one time. And so I'm sitting in this therapist's office one day, my therapist's office, and we're talking about this. I'm sharing this story, but in depth, right? The whole healing journey process of going into the darkness around it. 
Right. He goes, how do you feel about it? I go, I don't have any regrets about it. Mm-hmm. He goes, you know, there, there's a lot of impact of generational trauma. Here's what's interesting. I had been learning about family systems. I've been reading books about trauma. I've been watching podcasts or listening to podcasts. I've been watching YouTube videos, like the whole nine. This is six years ago. So this conversation still wasn't happening like it's happening now. And, uh, and the words generational trauma immediately made sense to me. Mm. And I went, I looked at my side, of course. Of course, because here's what I understood in that moment. My mother and stepfather treated me how their parents treated them, how their parents treated them, how their parents treated them on and on and on. And I'm biracial. So I'm from West Nigeria and from Ireland. That's where my genealogy is. That's where my DNA comes from. And so mm-hmm. then I factor in the, the, the genetic DNA of those experiences and those lands, not only through slave trade, but through indentured servitude, through famine, through the whole nine. And then you look at the fact that we are the DNA of all of those people in front of us. And so we carry that with us mm-hmm. and that's science. And there are people who are like, that's not real. No, it's science. It's Go science. look it up. <laughs> right. And so then you're in this position where you're measuring, okay, so I've had the impact from a genetic standpoint of trauma through all of these hundreds and thousands of years to the dawning of man, while also understanding man is incredibly cruel to each other. Right. Mm, mm-hmm. And then now being in this position where I'm suffering tremendous amount of abuse as a child. So there's this thing called the adverse childhood experiences study. It was done in the mid nineties by Kaiser Permanente, Dr. Felitti and the California center for disease control. And it was basically this, this research to point and find out if there is a correlation of long-term detrimental ramifications as an adult to childhood adverse experiences. There's a series of 10 questions. Again, it's called the ACE study. I highly advise you look it up. I will argue it's inconclusive because the sample study was small. I think it needs to be way, 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 way bigger, but it gives us data to start with. So it points to this idea that 83% of all human beings well, at least from the study, right, have mm-hmm. had an adverse childhood experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's way too low. One, you factor in the, the the reality that most abused children are told to never tell. Mm-hmm. You have this huge amount of non-reports. You have men who are terrified of the idea of ever talking about the things that happen. So now you factor that in and you have all the fear of all the things coming together. Well, so I would argue actually probably it's higher, like 95%. Right. Let's call it, let's say 95% of human beings had adverse child experience. Now for context, that could mean did a parent get divorced? Did parents hit you? Were you ever sexually abused? Were you, do you have someone in your family go to prison? Did you ever not get taken care of or taken to the doctor when you need it? Were you starved? Were you be, like that whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just these simple 10 questions. I answered yes to every one of them. Mm. And so you've compound that impact. And then the data points to your 2000%, 2000% more likely to be an alcoholic, mm. 2200% more likely to smoke, 5200% more likely to commit suicide. Mm. Well, where was I at when I was 25? Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Correlation. And so now you're looking at the impact of, of trauma not only in the family system that you're in 
born into, which you don't have a choice in, but also generationally and the carryover of that. I mean, Trey, why do you think doctors always ask you, is there a history of heart attacks? History, in your mm-hmm. right? History, because it carries weight. It means something. And then, so now you're in this position and that data was fascinating to me. And so when I'm sitting in the office with my therapist and he tells me this, and I was like, oh my God, I got to go deeper into this. That's how I'm able to speak about it today. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I need to understand this. at scope. Right. Mm-hmm. And one, one of the things happened that was really fascinating in this. Cause I'm sharing this story about my mother telling her I'm never going to talk to her again. And then she dies. And I followed through on that and being okay with it. That was Mm -hmm. the crux of it. I was okay with it. I'm still okay with it. I saw the future. I would not be talking to you had I not done this. Mm -hmm. But one of the most important moments of my life happened in that conversation. I acknowledged the reality of the situation. That was it. I accepted Mm -hmm. it. I Mm -hmm. didn't try to fight it anymore. I wasn't mad about it. I wasn't upset about it. I had done all the work around it. I just simply acknowledged. I looked at my mother my stepfather, my father, my grandmother, my community, my uncle, everyone around me. And I just went, well, this fucking makes sense. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Michael, you have written a book. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah. I've written a couple of books actually. Um, I'm I'm on a mission to write a book a year till the day I die. So Mm. next year will be the third one. You, know, you started, I, you started two years ago then, or last yeah. year? Yeah. So, you know what, here's, what's really interesting. You know, I, I wrote my first book actually, when I was a little kid, it was a vampire romantic comedy. I just seen vampire <laughs> in Brooklyn. So I was way ahead of the curve. I, by nature, I'm a writer. I'm a writer first. I'm not a coach first. I'm not an entrepreneur first. I'm not a speaker for I'm a writer first. And so I'd been going through and, you know, I've done all the personal development. I still do. I have my own coaches. I go to the seminars. I get the certifications. Like I do this whole thing. And this is a part of my life. I'm still doing it every day. And I was sitting in Thailand and I was just thinking about something. I was like, damn, I've made it a long way. I've lived in 12 countries. I've spoken in 80. I've traveled the world. I got out of poverty. I'm not dead. I had some autoimmune disease (laughs) issues and I'm still here. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to, I'm going to actually put something out there that is important, that Mm. matters, but it's not going to be about me. It's going to be a tool for people. And so the book is called think unbroken. And the crux of it is how do you take the understanding of what you have in the journey to get to where you are in your life and marry that with the fact that People don't make meaning of information and data that they take in, in the moment that they take it in. Mm. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write a book that's part self-help, but part journal. Mm. And so that's what Think Unbroken is. It's can you go through and understand, this is 101, this is baseline. This is a very simplified version of, of all of these teachings mm-hmm. because it's way too complex to, if I, if I wrote a book that I thought I could put everything into, it'd be like 2000 pages, right? right. Way too intense. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, cool. For context, I'm going to write the preface. It'll be my story, right? As I think context needs to be created, but the rest it's going to be mm-hmm. practical tools mm-hmm. and then reflections on those tools so that you have something that you can carry with you as a companion through this journey. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it is. 
that's what Think Unbroken is. So I'll definitely have a link to buy that book in the show notes because they can have it for free. I wrote this book to be a tool to help people. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. It's fine. They can have it for free. Just go to traumahealingbook.com. You can have it for free. All right. Well, then I will put that. You can buy it too. That's up to you. But, you know, you can download it. Traumahealing.com? Traumahealingbook.com. Okay. Okay, great. Because, you know, if if people want to support you in that way, they can buy it. If, If they aren't able to do that, but they want to start their journey they can download it for free that's awesome thank you so much for that yeah and so you wrote this book so now you decided that you want to write a book a year where did that come from I know you say you're a writer before you're anything else so where did that desire come from yeah you know I'm just always thinking about challenging myself yeah I you know there I'm fascinated by this idea that I even am limiting myself today Right. Right. I think, I think about the idea and people look at my life and go, man, you've done so much. And I'm like, I haven't done anything yet. I've done (laughs) nothing that I want to do yet. I've, I've, I've made, I've made markers on the journey. And so this idea of writing a book a year till the day I die is very much ingrained. in. let me, let me put it this way. I heard this in a podcast. I swear I've tried so long to figure out who said this and I cannot remember. And I wish I would have written his name down. He said, the thing that we're missing as children is the thing that we seek as adults. Mm, And, mm -hmm. and my thought as a child was like, I just, I want to be seen and appreciated. And when I wrote that book, (laughs) the vampire romantic comedy, Mm -hmm. my mom, because I I grew up Mormon. I don't really talk about that a lot, but Mm. she walked in, she saw it and she tore it in half in front of me. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Right. Again, this thing about not being able to do the thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I just sat with it. it, just came to me. It just, it wasn't about anything other than the idea came to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I said, write a book a year till the day you die. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's the entire crux of it because I want right. to. Right. Right. So you do things you want to do and you don't do the things you don't want to do. And so exactly. And there's awesome. no measure because people may or may not read them. I don't right. care. Right. It's just, it's not about, right. It's not about the outcome. It's about what you feel and what you wanted, what do you want to put out there? And so, you know, I think, I think that's fantastic. I think it's incredible. And, you know, who knows, you know, who knows why that, that seed, that thought was planted in your brain and who knows where that will go. So, but it, you know, that's not the, it's often not about the destination, right? It's often not about it's often more about the journey, more about where you're going. And it doesn't matter if people jump on or not, right? You're just, it's kind of like you're driving your car and it's like, Hey, you want to come with me? No. Okay. Let's just, I'm just going to keep going. Cause I'm going this way. <laughs> you know, you're, you're spot on. Let me ask you a question. If you don't mind, <laughs> I don't mind. Ha- have you ever accomplished a huge goal in your life? And then immediately you were like, that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. What's next? <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I think I can say that. I don't know if it's a goal or if it's just, you know, I've accomplished something and, you know, people are like, oh my God, that was so great. Or you did so well. And I go, okay. You know, it, yeah. great. You know, happy about I, it. 
I ask you that because I think you're right. It's about the journey. Like you see those signs in the bathroom or, you know, at the store or wherever. It's always like the journey, not the destination. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, that's what, I don't know what that means. And then you understand the reality that it really is about the journey. It's about today. It's about yeah. this moment. It's about this choice, this decision, this thing yeah. in this moment. Because yeah. if you're only ever measuring the end, you're yeah. going to get disappointed a lot. Yes. Yeah. You know, a great example of that is when you're planning a wedding, you know, people plan weddings and they get so upset and so frustrated and so angry during the process. And, you know, whenever people ask me, they're like, okay, so, so what do I do? I said, first, you need to enjoy the journey because the day goes by so quickly that you miss, you miss the day and but you can savor the journey right you can savor who you decided to have in your at having your wedding you can savor the the the, the efforts and the the be intentional about what you want to put into it you know think about it because when the day comes it's here and it's gone and then you're like you know left with a feeling of oh you know, that was it, especially if you didn't enjoy the journey <laughs> and then you get to the day and then it's like, oh, don't let the day suck <laughs> because then that's all, <laughs> it's all over. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, something like that where it's just like, just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy whatever, whatever, you know, the journey that you're, you've put yourself on, just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and give yourself permission to enjoy it because. Oh my gosh, that, that's, that's huge. That's the part of it that people don't understand. Like, I do think that you have to challenge yourself. You do have to put pressure yes. on yourself. You do have to try really hard, but if you're doing the stuff that you want to do, it's going to be enjoyable to some extent. Again, not that it won't be monotonous sometimes because it will be, but the truth is you can enjoy your life. You're mm -hmm. allowed to do that, but you have to decide, you know, and, and people will be like, I hate my job. I hate this relationship. I can't believe I got to do this every, then stop. stop. <laughs> what the fuck do you want? Like nobody cares. Stop. Change right. it. You don't get a complaint if you're unwilling to change. Right. It's almost as if, and I call it living, living by default, which is what I felt like I was doing for many years. And it's just almost this thing where you don't have a choice. Like you feel like you're just going along and you don't have a choice when in reality, you do have a choice. You always have a choice. It's just whether or not you're willing to take what comes with that choice. Right. And so it's like, you have a choice, just decide that what is, is that, is the outcome worth it for you? Yeah. And you're, you're not going to know, right? You're not going to know. The, this is the thing that people get trapped in. They're like, man, I'm going to plan it all out. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to have a checklist. This is me. I'm like, I'm going to have a spreadsheet. I'm going to have a flow <laughs> chart. Like I'm going to do the whole nine. And then what happens is yeah, it's like Mike Tyson says, which is one of my favorite quotes of all time. He goes, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right? right. The truth is your plan doesn't matter because I promise you, if you change your thought process to being solution oriented, meaning that you try to find the way through, then what happens is you recognize the game plan is simply a framework. 
you adjust. It's like sports. You audible in the middle of it and you go, okay, no, 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 this isn't working. Try this thing because I will promise you, I'll promise you the way to get the thing that you want in your life is not the way that you think that you're going to get it. And it's going to take you 37 different attempts to do the thing that you thought you could do in one. Yeah, exactly. You're so right. Oh my goodness, Michael. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation and I love the information that you've shared. I know we're running out of time. So before we completely run out of time, my final question to you is, what is your favorite dish? (laughs) Gummy bears. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, that's a first. Oh gosh, I love it. It's uh, it's uh, I'm dead serious too, but you know, they're not good for you. Some are, but you know, in moderation, (laughs) like everything in moderation, (laughs) I hear you. Well, thank you so much for being here, Michael. I appreciate you very much. I am going to link your information in the show notes and have people come and check you out, dig deeper into who Michael Unbroken is. Yeah. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you greatly. And anyone who feels like they need to reach out, I'm on social media everywhere at Michael Unbroken. And I have the Think Unbroken podcast, which is full of incredible information. So, you know, don't don't feel shy if you're in this place where you're like, man, I need some help. It's okay to ask for help. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.